Hello, humans. Hello, humans. Hello, humans of the world, of Minnesota, of the Twin Cities. Hello, it's me, Ellie Krug with Ellie 2.0 Radio on AM 950. Welcome. Uh, unbelievably, it is the last Monday of June. I, You do not know how sad it makes me to say that. Um, Fourth of July is just right. I mean, like literally, you can see it on the calendar. It's just going all too quickly after what has been a really tough start to 2020. But you have me here, a self-proclaimed hopeless idealist, actually a practical idealist, but also hopefully, hopefully idealistic, believing in the goodness of almost all humans and believing in the goodness of humans so much that humans can make change, positive change. We have a great show. Uh, The big interview is with another idealist trying to change the culture at the University of St. Thomas relative to LGBTQ plus people, particularly transgender and non-binary people. And if you don't know what non-binary is, you'll get an explanation. Uh, So Mick Dargis is who we're going to be speaking with, has done some incredibly brave Work um, And we will have uh, them, that's the right pronoun, on the show in a few minutes. Of course, in my C block, I'm going to talk about my work and observations. It's more of a hodgepodge today in, on the C block. But first, let me um, start off by talking about Black Lives Matter um, and one of its founders, Patrice Cullors. Uh, that's P-A-T-R-I-S-S-E, Cullors, C-U-L-L-O-R-S. Um, Now, I assume all of you right now are familiar with the name Black Lives Matter, but what is it about? Uh, The the organization is not very old. Um, It arose um, after George Zimmerman. Now, remember, down in Florida, George Zimmerman uh, was somebody who um, targeted as a self-proclaimed public protector, uh, targeted – uh, the teenager Trayvon Martin in um, back in I think it was 2010, but George Zimmerman and and there was a scuffle. Uh, Trayvon Martin was shot. George Zimmerman was then tried for murder, um, and there was this big issue about stand your ground and all this kind of stuff. But George Zimmerman was um, he was uh, found not guilty in 2012. Black Lives Matter was created after that as a way to speak out about police brutality, the killings of, uh, of black color African-American people, particularly African-American men. And black Lives, Matter was, black Lives Matters was also intended to advocate against racial profiling, racial inequity in the criminal justice system, and a host of other things. Um, and only as uh, the 20... Uh, somethings could give us, Black Lives Matter started as an online organization originating on Facebook. There were three founders of Black Lives Matter, Alicia, Alicia Garza, Opal Atometi, and Patrice Cullors. Uh, Garza uh, wrote a Facebook post titled, quote, A Love Note to Black People, in which she shared, quote, Our Lives Matter, Black Lives Matter, unquote, to which Cullors replied, hashtag And so it was that hashtag because back in 2012, Twitter was still uh, relatively um, in its infancy, but it was that – and the idea of hashtags 
um, being able to encapsulate uh, thoughts and whole movements was relatively new, but it took off. Hashtag Black Lives Matter. So from mid-2013 to now in 2020, the organization has grown from online to a presence with 40 different chapters across the world. Um, its very first big presence on the ground was in August of 2014 in Ferguson, Missouri, after Michael Brown's police-involved murder. And, of course, um, Black Lives Matter has been here in Minneapolis after George Floyd's murder. Notice the word murder. With what I have uh, left to share about Pratish Colors, uh, she was the one who coined, as I said, hashtag Black Lives Matters. Patrice identifies as a queer activist who grew up in Los Angeles in a family that was Jehovah Witness. Um, uh, and when you – in our big interview that's coming up, you're going to hear again about how conservative uh, religious um, households often generate people who want to think differently and bigger about the world. At age 16 – Patrice Cullors was uh, kicked out of her home when she came out to her family as quote-unquote queer. Um, I'm assuming that that means that she was a lesbian, um, uh, but I can't be certain about that. Um, and so I always ask what makes for an idealist and um, I watched a speech in which uh, Patrice Cullors uh, talked about realizing that by age 12, every boy in her neighborhood – in Los Angeles, had been arrested. She talked further about how there was massive police presence in her neighborhood. I mean, you know, I don't know about you, but, um, you know, where I grew up, when I, where I was raising my children in Cedar Rapids, Iowa, in one of the best neighborhoods of the city, uh, back in the 90s and early, tw early 2000s, I got to tell you, it was pretty darn rare to ever see a police car drive through my neighborhood. But when you see, like Patrice did, police cars all the time and helicopters, she talked about police helicopters as well, in that presence, it creates a siege kind of mentality. She was further motiv motivated to become – Patrice was further motivated to become an idealist um, when her 19-year-old brother was beaten by the Los Angeles County Sheriff's deputies when he was in custody. She eventually, uh, Patrice did, eventually took on the sheriff's department and created the Coalition to End Sheriff's Violence in L.A. jails. Um, she went on to later co-found a prison activism organization, Dignity and Power Now, which succeeded in getting a civilian oversight board created for the L.A. sheriff's office. Apart from her activism, Patrice Cullors, is a teacher at Otis College of Art and Design in the Public Practice Program, and she also teaches at Prescott College's Master's in Social Justice and Community Organizing. You know, you're getting an idea here that this is someone – I mean, she's, she's in her early 30s, Patrice Cullors. You're getting an idea that this is someone who has spent her entire life, her – you know, from 16 on – wanting to make the world a different place and actively working to do it. Um, I fully expect that one day she will run for elected office, um, something I very much look forward to uh, seeing happen. Um, so when, when you hear the name from now on, Black Lives Matter, please know that it has very, very deep idealistic roots. 
It does. And the, the value of having an organization like Black Lives Matter is that everyone – you know, you, you hear Black Lives Matter and everyone is already almost on the same page. Now, I mean there are people that are like – you know, resent the phrase. There are people like, well, all lives matter. OK, but that obviously gets – you don't even see the point here about why we need to say that black lives matter because of the way that people with darker skin are treated by law enforcement. By the way, I like law enforcement. I, uh, most people in law enforcement are trying to do the, the right thing and they're in public service for that reason. But as we are seeing video after video after video, not only with people with dark skin but people with white skin about how the police are acting towards them, we are getting an idea that it is not an equal playing ground um, uh, as it relates for uh, law enforcement in this country, okay? And so when when we can latch on to the phrase Black Lives Matters as it relates to law enforcement, okay, it gives us an idea that, you know, reminds us that historically, okay, um, law enforcement has not had a positive relationship with many people from uh, the African-American community and, and from other communities um, where the skin color is not white, so, um, so very important there. Okay. All right. Well, uh, I think that that's all I've got about this, uh, other than to say, please, you know, if you get, if you can go get one of those signs that says black lives matters and you can put it in your front yard, um, or in your window of your apartment, will you do that, please? I would really appreciate that. I would, particularly if you're a white color person. It says something about you. It's a way of you being an idealist in your neighborhood and it's a way of you at least doing something to demonstrate um, that you believe and you understand some of at least the historical suffering and present-day suffering that African-American, people of, uh, people of other colors, dark colors in America have suffered as a result of structural racism and as a result of policing policies. Will you do that for me? I know you can, okay? And it wouldn't hurt to go check out the Black Lives Matter website. All you got to do is type in blacklivesmatter.org or .com. You'll find it. Um, and it wouldn't hurt for you to, when people push back about Black Lives Matter, it wouldn't hurt for you to say, hold on a second. You don't understand. There's a reason it exists. It's a necessary reason. And thank God we have it. Because now we have some, we have a face, we have a name, an organization for a movement. All from three idealistic women who got together one time and somebody said Black Lives Matters and somebody else said hashtag Black Lives Matters. That's how it works in America right now. Thank God. Okay, well, there you go. When we come back from our break, I'm going to speak to. Uh, Mick, Monique, Dargis, uh, about a letter that they wrote to the University of St. Thomas, where they're very, very brave. Okay, we'll be back in a second. Thanks. I want to take the Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. 
Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. If you're looking to save money on your home or building improvement project, check out Better Futures Minnesota's reuse retail warehouse in South Minneapolis. We carry salvage building materials such as cabinetry, flooring, plumbing fixtures, appliances, lighting, and more, saving you money and saving the planet by keeping these items out of the landfill, by giving them another life. Selections change daily, and we also take donations. Go to betterfuturesminnesota.com and look under Reuse Warehouse to learn more. Let us know AM950 sent you. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. Me, Ellie Krug, your host. All right, it's time for the big inter- uh, the big interview. And as you know, uh, it is still Pride Month. We have our last uh, little burst of Pride Month um, this week, right before the Fourth of July. And um, in honor of Pride Month, I wanted to bring in somebody who is trying to push the envelope at the University of St. Thomas as it relates to LGBTQ people. I have on the line Mick Monique Dargis. Uh, Mick, are you there? Yes, I am. Hey, nice Mick. to speak with you, Ellie. Nice to speak with you. Thanks for being on Ellie 2.0 Radio. So, Mick, uh, there's a little backstory here. I've got you uh, on the show today because you've done something incredibly brave. Uh, you have your first of all, you happen to be a graduate uh, uh, twice of the University of St. Thomas. Do I have that right? That is correct. Okay. Um, Bachelor of Arts in 2012 and a master's in 2020. Okay. Graduated. All right. And then uh, in addition to that, you work for University of St. Thomas as well, correct? I have for the last four years. Yeah. Okay. So they're paying your, you know, they're helping you pay your bills. And what you yes. have done um, is you have written a public letter to President Sullivan of the University of St. Thomas calling upon President Sullivan and the university to become uh, more far more um, affirming for the LGBTQ plus uh, community. Do I have that right? Yes, you do. Okay. All right. So I kind of just wanted to lay the platform here. And also you identify as non-binary. Is that correct? That is correct. All right. And in a second, we'll come back to what non-binary means for some of our listeners. But I, I wanted to at least get the landscape laid out. So Mick, Tell us about the genesis of this uh, very public letter that you've put out. It's a two-page letter uh, to addressed to the University, President Sullivan the University of St. Thomas. Go ahead. Sure. So I, as you mentioned, identify as non-binary. I only figured that out about myself a couple of years ago, um, although I have you know, had questions about my gender pretty much in my entire life. Um, even with that, I was still involved in um, LGBTQ groups at St. Thomas when I was a student and undergraduate uh, and university as a staff member. Um, at first, <laughs> I didn't really think that I would stay at the university for my entire career. Most people who get into the staff side of higher education, it's not like the thing they dreamed of their entire childhood. Um, But once it became really evident that this was going to be my career, that I was going to be working in higher education, um, I realized that this is my community. You know, I'm a double graduate. 
I have worked at the university for four years. Um, and the university is not very friendly to transgender people and gender nonconforming people. And that needs to change because um, I potentially want to spend the rest of my career here. And I can't do that if I'm not treated um, the same way that anyone else is treated at the university. All right. So first, let's let's at least let's get that definition about gender nonconforming, gen, you know, non-binary. Could mm-hmm. you explain what what that means, please, for our listeners? Right. Um, so what I like to actually say is that my gender is octopus, <laughs> which is kind of a joke, but also kind of, um, you know, octopuses change color. They're just kind of fluid and, and all over the place. And that's how I view uh, being non-binary. I'm, I never felt like 100% a girl, um, even though I was assigned female at birth. Um, I never really got to the point where I wanted to transition to male. Um, and it took me a long, long time to figure out that really I'm somewhere in between. I sometimes have feminine things about me. I have masculine things about me. And I express myself differently, honestly, on a daily basis. Okay. All right. Well, and and your pronouns would be they and them, right? That is correct. Okay. And mm-hmm. that for many people, that's the – that's a – a big stumbling block um, just around <laughs> pronouns yeah. because, of course, how we're taught in English when we're growing up and all that jazz. Okay, mm. so – but non-binary – and the way I always – when I talk about non-binary, I, what I say is um, uh, – not to throw my definition on you – is that you know it's folks mm. that don't identify as male or female. They identify as human. How incredible is that? Um, yeah. And, and so, all right. So, uh, and listeners, um, you know, um, Mick, many of my listeners know that what, you know, puts the uh, bread on the table and pays the bills is that I speak and train on human inclusivity across the country. I mean, I'm very passionate about trying to make the world a better place. Um, and I have spoken a couple of times at the University of St. Thomas. I think I was the very first transgender person they ever brought in ever uh, to campus uh, about four or five years ago to speak about what it means to be transgender. Now, I didn't present to the student body, but I did present to administrators about in the room. And I was, you know, and then I was there a couple of years ago to do a human inclusivity training, gray area thinking. So I'm familiar mm. with the University of St. Thomas um, a community. Uh, they, mm. uh, interestingly, they are the only place that has a rider to uh, my contract w- about uh, things that I can or can't say um, in mm. the community. And in another world, I probably would never have agreed to that. But I also think that it's important that folks at St. Thomas be exposed to somebody like me, a transgender person who's just simply showing up doing work. And you have a two-page letter here that starts with Dear President Sullivan, uh, dated June 9th. 19th, 2020. Tell us about what's in this letter, Mick, and why you wrote it. Sure. So I started um, by setting up history because I want people to understand the context of why I'm writing this letter. Um, I talk about why June is so important to LGBTQ plus people, why we celebrate Pride in June to celebrate the Stonewall riots um, that happened in June starting on June 28, 1969, uh, and were led by women of color, transgender women of color, in fact. Um, And they suffered a lot of violence in their lives um, because of their identities. And then I talk about how that is still happening. Um, I mentioned Remy Fells and Rhea Milton, two black transgender women that were murdered last week, uh, who were actually mentioned in a letter by St. Thomas 
interestingly enough. Um, so St. Thomas does have a lot of initiatives around racism. They, on the uh, 17th of June, announced that they're starting a racial justice initiative. And then on the 18th, they actually mentioned Remy Fells and Rhea Milton in a Juneteenth letter. But there's no focus on the fact that, you know, Remy Fells and Rhea Milton had that intersectional identity that led to their murder, unfortunately, because people just hate transgender folks so much. Um, and I set it all up that way to explain why the Trump administration regulation that came out on the 12th of June was so, so harmful and painful for transgender people. Well, and I'm going to stop you there, okay, Mick, because we're going to have Mm -hmm. to take a break. But listeners, you may recall last week um, I I talked about that regulation um, and how – it took away my hope. That was where the Trump administration had said that transgender people no longer uh, have protections in health care and that uh, we can be subjected to discrimination. Mick, we're going to need to take a break. When we come back, I want to pick back up on the letter and your bravery here and hear a little bit more about why you are such an idealist. Okay. Sounds good. All right, listeners, we're listening to uh, Mick Dargis, um, a University of St. Thomas alum and employee who has written a letter to the president of St. Thomas uh, uh, calling for St. Thomas to be more LGBTQ affirming. If you like what you hear on my show, visit my website at elliekrug.com. Email me at lajkrug at gmail. Um, I love hearing from you. We'll be back in a second. Thanks. Hi, Alex of Better Futures, Minnesota. Does your business or organization need janitorial services, lawn care, or snow services? Obtain a free, no-obligation estimate from Better Futures Minnesota when you mention that you heard about us on AM950. Our supervised, hardworking, and affordable crews will handle your interior and exterior building and property maintenance needs while you help men in your community transform their lives and walk on a positive path to success. It's a win-win. To learn more, go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com under Business Services. And we're back on AM 950 LE 2.0 Radio. All right. We've been speaking with and will continue to speak with Mick Dargis, who is a University of St. Thomas double alum, uh, uh, who also is an employee of St. Thomas, who has written a letter dated uh, June 19th to the president of St. Thomas, President Sullivan, calling for the university to be more affirming for LGBTQ people. Pew plus people, particularly transgender and non-binary humans. Now, Mick, uh, before we took our break, you you got into why you wrote the letter and you wanted to, you know, get the university to be more affirming and welcoming to people who are transgender and non-binary. Um, you know, and I'm going to, you know, I have the letter and I'm going to just read a little bit out of it uh, just to give our, it's a very, you know, the letter is uh, literally a page and a half. Uh, you've got it signed. You've asked for um, you know them to uh, 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 recognize your pronouns, which are they, them, and there. And you say you sign it that you're a member of the transgender community. And here's partly what you write: "Quote, I ask that this year, on the anniversary of the Stonewall riots, the University of St. Thomas publicly uphold its commitment to its convictions of dignity and diversity." 
I ask that you make a public statement that the University of St. Thomas respects the dignity of transgender and gender nonconforming persons and values the unique contributions that we each bring to the greater mosaic of the university community. I request that the university publicly commit to helping us work for a more just and inclusive society by providing us access to the same rights that any other member of the St. Thomas community has access to, unquote. Um, Mick, mm-hmm. you, you wrote this letter and you posted this um, on your – is it on your website, your personal website? Uh, it's actually hosted on my St. Thomas personal storage. Okay, so. on St. Thomas, and what you did is <laughs> is you uh, you wrote about this on Facebook. Do I have that right? Uh, yes, I did. Okay, and then you mm-hmm. asked if people would uh, people would sign it. Do I have that right? That they'd sign on to the letter as signatories. Mm-hmm. There were a few steps before that. Um, so I consulted with other transgender people that I knew on campus. I didn't know a ton before this. I know more now, which is exciting, um, just to see if they had any input. Right. Um, and I also tapped into some of the groups that I'm a member of to ask that they distribute it to okay. um, their their list. Okay. But then you put it on your, you know, your, your mm-hmm. St. Thomas site and yep. you ask people to sign, to sign the letter mm-hmm. to affirm essentially what you've written. Is that correct? Correct. And the part that you quoted is actually, most of it is listed directly from the St. Thomas conviction statement about dignity and diversity. Okay. But of course, the statement does not include transgender non-binary people. Do I have that right? It just says people. Yep. Right. And we also know, of course, that the university, I mean, is a conservative institution. Um, we we know that uh, the Catholic Church historically has... Um, and contemporarily um, has uh, contemporaneously has issues with LGBTQ plus people. Although um, I like Pope Frankie, and I think that he's really trying to change the uh, conversation a bit. Um, uh, but so this goes up. You ask people to sign it, and I'm talking mm-hmm. with you because we do tape this show. I'm talking with you three days after the letter went up. How many people, if any, do you have that have agreed to sign this letter? Um, signed on to it uh, for your call for University of St. Thomas to be more LGBTQ plus friendly? We have 346, including myself. 346, okay, in three mm-hmm. days. That's pretty cool mm-hmm. if you ask me. And I'm going to guess that many of those folks are University of St. Thomas people. Is that right? Yeah, it's a actually a really good mix of staff, faculty, um, current students, alums, so it's got widespread support across the community. Okay. All right. And, and of course, it's still going, right? Yes, it is. Um, as you mentioned in the quotation, I'm asking for action by uh, the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots, which is the 28th. Um, so I'm looking for more people to sign on before then. Absolutely. Right, right. And Mick, I don't know, we didn't talk about this off air. I mean, if people wanted to contact you about this letter to see if they'd be able to sign on to the letter, um, is there a way that they could reach out to you? Yeah, absolutely. Um, So my email address is moniquedargis at gmail.com. Do you want to spell that, please? Sure. M-O-N-I-Q-U-E-D-A-R-G-I-S. 
And if you are interested in signing on, I would encourage you to think about what your relationship is with St. Thomas community, because there are people that are involved in St. Thomas that are not alums or students or faculty or staff. You know, there are parents who are considering whether they want to send their kids there. There are school counselors that are making recommendations. Well, and and that's interesting that you say that because I happen to actually be a mentor for University of St. Thomas Law students. So I have um, I have been a mentor through the law school for I don't know uh, maybe seven or eight years at this point. And and again, interestingly, and you may not know this, is that the law school has had a couple of transgender um, law students, Um, Mm. and uh, they, with the consent of everybody, they didn't like. You know, just say this is the way it has to be. But they have paired me with the transgender uh, students as a mentor. Uh, and oh, awesome. I, I think that they've appreciated that and certainly I have. Okay, again, so your Gmail address is moniquedarges at gmail.com. Is that right? Yes. Okay, and if people want to reach out to you and figure out how they can sign on a letter, they can do that. Right. Absolutely. All right. Absolutely. So, so Mick, the reason we've got about six minutes left, the reason I wanted to have you on the show is when I found out about this letter and found out that you were a University of St. Thomas uh, alum, which, you know, okay, a little bit there, but a current employee. So you're relying on your livelihood for them, that you were willing to do this letter, willing to put it public. I said I needed to have you on this show. I mean, you are <laughs> you are an idealist. You are somebody who is trying to – um, foment change, and you're actually incredibly brave because for every one of uh, the Mick Dargesses in the world, there are about another 50 people that are afraid uh, to do what you've done. I mean, and in where we are right now in June of 2020, we need a whole lot more Mick Dargesses showing up, not only in the LGBTQ plus sphere, but also in the racial justice sphere and the socioeconomic uh, an equity mm-hmm. sphere, all kinds of spheres. We need a whole lot more mix out there. So, Mick, um, what I mean, what 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 took you? What what did it take you to write the letter? I mean, you mm. what? Why now? Why today? Um, yeah, I'm inspired by the amazing, amazing move for racial justice in the Twin Cities. Um, if People who are literally being killed on the streets just for being who they are can do this, then certainly so can I. You know, I'm a white transgender person and I have a male partner and present pretty female looking. I'm not as much in danger as some of the people that I mentioned in this letter. Um, I also have a lot of privilege and I've contributed a lot to the university, frankly. I helped them come up with their test optional policy earlier this year, which I consider a racial justice issue. Um, I've read names at undergraduate commencement. Um, I'm valuable to this university. And I think that it's important that they know that I'm affected by this and I'm looking for them to defend my rights. Well said. So what's made you an idealist? What's in your background? (laughs) What's in your history that got you to be – um, who you are today, um, willing to uh, take this incredibly brave step to call upon your employer and um, uh, your uh, alma mater uh, to, mm. to, ch- to pivot? Well, uh, I grew up very, very conservative. Um, I was raised evangelical fundamentalist. Uh, and I'm sure I don't have to tell many people that there's a lot of wacky ideas about uh, gender in that particular flavor of Christianity. Um, 
But I really got inspired when I started having sex um, because as an evangelical fundamentalism, fundamentalist, I didn't get good sex education. But as someone who was also taught to think critically and loves to do research, I realized that if I was going to have sex, I should probably know about it. Um, and so I went to and found this website called Scarletine, which is the um, oldest and biggest sex ed website on the Internet, specifically for teens. And they were so helpful in helping me figure out not just like the mechanics of sex, but also, you know, how to deal with the emotions and um, what my gender identity might be and those sorts of things. And that inspired me. I actually wanted to be a sex ed teacher for a little while. Um, that didn't end up happening. But other people helped me. They took the time to help me as a young person figure this all out. And I want to do that for other people, too. I don't want other people to go through what I went through. When you say figure this out, you mean just figure out about identity and figure out about mm -hmm. living authentically as who you are without guilt or shame, all of that stuff? Yeah, Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Well, and and um, and the the website again is is Scarlet Teen. Is that what it is? Yep, it's Scarlet E E N dot com. Okay, Scarlet E E N dot com. All right, so we'll have some listeners going to that right now, I'm sure. Um, and that's good. That's a good thing because the more information that we have about sex and sexual identities and orientations, the better the world is. Um, so, all right, so. You, you 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 learn about a website where you've got obviously somebody who created that website thinking broader about mm -hmm. the world and more inclusive. And that in mm -hmm. turn rippled to you that you wanted to make the world more inclusive for other people. Do I have that right? Correct. Um, and there's one other thing that was important too. I um, am a volunteer college coach. And one of the students that I worked with, he did this work in his high school. He petitioned his high school to change their locker room policy. He was the only person in his entire rural town that was hmm. willing to stand up and do this. Okay. And that's an inspiration. Okay. So now what you're really talking about is how we ripple to each other. You yeah, know? And, absolutely. And, and of course, that rippling can be incredibly positive, as you're talking about here, but it also can be incredibly negative. Um, hmm. And, uh, you know, and it just, it, it just really can be. And so... Um, all right. Well, this is good. So <clears throat> are you are you hoping that President Sullivan will get back to you? Absolutely, I am. OK. And have you had any indication from President Sullivan's office that um, they're considering your letter? Not so far. I haven't. OK. Well, we can keep our fingers crossed. Um, I would love for you to let me know if you get some kind of response by – June twenty eighth, okay, and if you know, and I'll and I'll report back to our listeners, uh, you know, after that. Um, Mick, mm -hmm. it's been really great. We're out of time. It's been really great to have you. I really appreciate you being on Ellie two point and I want to applaud you for your courage you. and your bravery. You just go, you. okay. Keep doing it. All right. <laughs> Sounds good. I will do so. All right. Thanks. All right, listeners. We've been listening to and speaking to Mick. Dargis from the University of St. Thomas, who has bravely written a letter to President Sullivan of the University of St. Thomas, asking them to be more welcoming to transgender and non-binary people. Yep, that's what idealists do. They take risks like that. They go forward. Okay, when we come back from our break, I'll do my C-block, talk a little bit about my work. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>
Did you know there's deconstruction funding available now for homeowners and contractors in Hennepin County? If you are embarking on a remodel or teardown this year, consider hiring Better Futures Minnesota's deconstruction crews instead of demolition. By taking a house or building apart by hand instead of destroying it with heavy equipment, the materials can be reused or recycled instead of going into the landfill. It is much more cost-effective and is a carbon-neutral solution. Go to BetterFuturesMinnesota.com and look under Business Services to learn more. Branding Electrolysis on Grand Avenue in St. Paul has been a leader in permanent hair removal for people of all skin types and backgrounds for over 30 years, celebrating diversity and priding themselves on finding the right treatment plan for each client's individual needs, regardless of race or gender. Services include electrolysis, body waxing, facials, microneedling, and permanent makeup. Book your 60-minute complimentary consultation, including a 15-minute treatment today, for beautiful, lasting results. Visit BrendingElectrolysis.com. All right, we're back on AM 950, LE 2.0 Radio, Mick Dargis, um, Brave, very brave. And I will try and keep you apprised of what happens, whether President Sullivan from the University of St. Thomas responds to a mixed letter by June 28th, okay, the anniversary of the Stonewall Riots. All right, we're in my C block where I talk about my work. As an idealist, uh, some things going on. I'm a little bit of a hodgepodge today, a little bit all over the place. First, I want to note, okay? I mean, you heard just Mick talk about what's going on in our country right now and about how people are being brave, people are in the streets, and the least that Mick could do was to uh, write a letter uh, to President Sullivan at the University of St. Thomas. This stuff that's going on in America right now, this this thing where a bunch of white-colored people are now finally saying, hold on a second, I didn't understand that we've held down people of other colors for so long in our country and done it in so many different ways. Oh, my gosh. People who are now finally uh, becoming enlightened. Um, Van Jones, he's a commentator for CNN. He's also – does other things. He's a lawyer, among other things. Van Jones, I love Van Jones. He's coined the phrase, the great awakening. That what's going on in America right now is the great awakening. That is the awakening of white color people to what we have historically done to people with other skin colors. I love that phrase, the great awakening. And so that's a phrase that I've been using to describe what's going on right now. Um, And you know, uh, I, of course, with my work, I mean, I'm doing online trainings. I'm trying to help make the world more inclusive and better, everybody better to each other. You know, with my work, um, I, I do some social media. Um, I'm not a big believer. I, I get on Facebook for the most part only to talk about uh, seminars that are coming up or something business and education related. I am not very big on getting on Facebook and doing this tit for tat where, you know, you end up, you make a statement, somebody objects to it, then you go back and forth on Facebook and da, da, da. You know what I'm talking about. It's the stuff that wears everybody out. But this week, uh, I got, uh, over the weekend, uh, somebody reached out to me through Twitter. Uh, apparently, some people think that I'm a, some kind of a leader on Twitter. I Not really, but 
But somebody reached out to me and said, Ellie, will you retweet about this? Because there was a call for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission in the United States. There's a change.org petition right now going on um, with uh, – to, to create, calling upon the government, the U.S. government, to create a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Now, you know I've talked about this, about creating this in Minnesota. I've called on Governor Walls to do that. If you go to my website at illicrude.com and you go to the, the projects page, you'll be able to see the three-page document in which I lay out a plan for a Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Anyway, this person on Twitter said, Ellie, will you re- retweet about this call for a National Truth and Reconciliation Commission? I did. I re- tweeted it and then I cut, cut and paste and I put it on Facebook and I said on Facebook, you know, it's time uh, that we address the issue of why white color skin in America is favored. It's time for us to do that. It is over other skin colors. And I put it out in, uh, in you know, had the link to the sign the petition for the National Truth and Reconciliation Commission. Well, anyway, I had somebody – I had somebody who was a friend who I know and we don't need to get into it any further who um, who wrote to me, who responded on Facebook, who essentially said, you know, you make really broad statements about um, white color skin being favored. I, uh, I think that's essentially wrong and, you know – I disagree with you. I, I'm I'm summarizing, encapsulating. It was it was not snarky. It was you know it was just like hey, okay, because I don't um, do this back and forth. I reached out to that person privately, and before I did this radio show uh, today, yet today, I sat down and for f- f- good half hour typed out this very rambling uh, Gmail um, email to this person, laying out. Literally, going back to the 1500s when the slave trade began and white Christians needed in some way to come up with a rationale of why in the world would they enslave other human beings. And they came up with the concept of race, you know, that there were separate races, that white colored people were superior to all other kinds of races and that there were races that, you know, um, needed to be, um, you know, needed to be educated. Needed Christianity, by all means, needed to be brought to them so that they could be saved. And it was this idea, that idea of separate races, going back to the 1500s with the beginning of the slave trade, because white Christians, particularly white Christian men, needed in some way to, to resolve in their minds as well as within their churches and communities, why is it that you're going and enslaving humans? Um, they came up with this idea and this idea about white color people being superior to other skin colors has permeated into this country ever since 1619 when the first enslaved um, Africans were brought here. It has. And I, I'm, I'm – so I'm in this email to this person typing all of that out. I sent them my disparities document about um, all the great – the huge disparities that exist in Minnesota between white color people and people of other skin colors. You can find that on my projects page on my website as well at elliekrug.com. And I fired off the email uh, before I got to the show. I have – I, you know, I was respectful and I, you know, I said, I'm really, I appreciate you letting me extrapolate about why I had that statement, all that stuff. I will be interested to see what this person says. By the way, in the email, I wrote that I didn't understand any of this before I transitioned from male to female. 
One of this I wrote is that when you hear time in again and again and again the message from the government, the message from other organizations, from other people is that that you are inferior, that you are not as good as white color people. Eventually, it starts to sink in. It does, and it affects it affects your perception of self worth. Trust me on that because that's the messaging transgender people are getting from our government that we're not worthy. Okay. So anyway, that's me, Ellie Krug, trying on a granular level, very, very granular level, trying to um, change perspectives of other folks. Um, Okay. And so, you know, um, with the 4th of July coming – By all means, do the customary things, the barbecues, time with your family. But will you do me a favor? When you look at that flag, will you think about the American dream? You know, the dream that our kids will do better than us and that their kids will do better than them. If you've achieved the American dream, that is great. But let me ask you, would you have been able to achieve it by working one, maybe two minimum wage jobs? Would you? Would you be able to achieve it by not being able to save money? Would you be able to achieve it without graduating from high school, let alone college? These are all the things that many Americans, particularly those who are not white in color, struggle with. So when you look at the flag, will you think about that this 4th of July? Okay, I've got to go. Big thanks to our sponsors, Branding Electrolysis and Better Futures Minnesota. A huge thanks to my producer, Brett Johnson. You always come through for me, Brett. And to my listeners, listen. I know. I'm talking way fast. You're trying to follow me. Hey, it's Ellie Krug, you know. But listeners, listen, please. This great awakening, it is real. Dive into it. Be a part of it. Go out and do good. Talk to you next week. Thanks so very much. Bye.